ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. This is Janice Porter, and I want to thank you again for joining me today and for your support as we spread the word about the importance of building relationships in business and in life and showing people that we care. To, uh, to that end, I have a guest with me today that I'm very excited to, to um, introduce you to. Her name is Dr. Cher Downing, and I've just forgotten where you are. Cher, where, what location are you in? Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, you're in Phoenix, on the same time zone as me. Yay. Yes. Okay, so thank you for joining us today, and I'm uh, very excited to find out more about you and what you do and share that with my audience. I know some things, and I'm going to just share with my audience that you are the CEO and founder of Downing Ed Tech Consulting, and serve, which serves as an ed tech, you serve as an ed tech strategist who brings clarity to the relationships of technology, education, and people. With over, this is what I'm so excited about to see this, this, um, connection between you have over 30 years experience in higher education and your industry expertise serves as a platform for helping business and educational organizations with strategic planning and development for virtual offerings couldn't be a better time for that and coaching for ed tech startups and CLOs or chief learning officers so um, what I meant by that and welcome again thank you is uh, that you are a professor um, at a university. What do you teach there? Or are you just finishing up, right? You're just finishing, just finishing up. Um, I have taught for many years in the uh, industrial technology sector or integrated technology sector. Um, basically what that means is that I work with software applications, um, but I may also teach courses that pertain to uh, tech specialists. So. Uh, in the areas of business communications. Uh, I do graduate study work with another school and I work with students who are pursuing doctorates with specific focus in online learning, uh, corporate training, even down to uh, communicating among um, IT professionals. All of those areas really encompass uh, ed tech and so I teach a variety of courses throughout uh, the years and it just kind of depends on, on what's going on and what programs I'm teaching in that those come together. Whew, it's all over my head in a lot <laughs> of ways. But what I do know is that even though it's all about technology and how to use technology, it's about, how, I think, how to use technology to best communicate with people, to teach them, right? For um, exactly. whatever it is that, they, that they're learning. Um, because... Would you say, and this is kind of interesting because I'm just going on that journey myself, would you say that um, putting an online course together is not as easy as it sounds because there's sort of really many levels of how people do it? Can you exactly. speak to that? 
Absolutely. Um, so one of the, uh, if you can take joy in something uh, during the pandemic is instructional designers have, have reveled in the fact that everyone has discovered how difficult it is to put a good quality online course out there. Right. Um, so just like any product that you're producing, you can toss one out in the world pretty easily in this day and age. Mm -hmm. But the defining is having quality and having it really accepted and usable. So for many uh, instructors this spring, unfortunately, with the pandemic onset, had to just pick their course up from the ground and toss it online. And they didn't have a very good experience doing it. And their students didn't have a very good experience, um, you know, trying to learn in it. Uh, so one of the things that, that we try to make people understand is the difference is, is how we design for quality and how we design for the learner outcome. It's the communication of what we're doing. And an example I always give is if you've ever taught a course and it could be, you could be teaching driver's ed, you could be teaching, you know, an actual college course, high school. We have all been guilty of taking copies off of the copier while they're still warm and walking into the classroom and handing them out. That's the ability of being real time in face-to-face -face situations. And you can just start from there and say, okay, hand these out, everybody read them. When you're online, that preparation has to be done ahead of time. Mm -hmm. There's no way for me to just instantly say, oh, let me throw this together real quick and then I'll put it up and then you can download it. All of that is the part of the experience. So the preparation is key in how when you get into an online course, you just recognize that everything's there. So we, we try to work with people and teach them to understand the communication aspect of it is, what the end user expects, and how they're going to react to how things that are being presented to them. Okay, so let me just go a little further there and just clarify something. So when, let's say we're talking the university courses that I think you were talking about, the, the, the professors, the instructors, had to change what was happening. So mm -hmm. when they change it and it becomes an online course, is there no live component where the, in, where the professor is, is still teaching like online? Um, it, for the pandemic situation, it depended. Oh, so okay. uh, Zoom was very gracious in working with colleges and universities and even K through 12 to allow for those live sessions. Um, the difficulty when you get into college is you may have students who live all over the country in different time zones. Yeah. You may have international students. Um, so when the pandemic hit and students returned home, right, suddenly your class that was always on your campus or in your city taking your class were scattered all over the globe. So you had to start to think about recording classes so you could have a live session and you're certainly welcome to stay up late or yeah, you know, yeah. get up early and join us. But if you didn't want to do that, there was a recording available of it because you have to have flexibility. Communication is flexibility. It's the ability to start to change what you're doing to uh, advise people how they can have an alternative path and still be progressive and still have a positive experience. So I would even, I would think also that, that um, uh, the communication style has to change for sure, but you have to be able, I, got, I, lo I love this new word that everyone's using, I have to use it here, pivot. You have to be able to pivot <laughs> to, um, to the, new, uh, the new reality and know that some people can't learn that easily by just reading it online 
right? They need exactly. more than that or they need something different. So you, I would think as a um, communicator, as a teacher, you would have to pivot to, to help them in a different way. Exactly. And so normally when we design an online course uh, for anything, training, yes. college, uh, there's an instructional designer who's trained in how to make those things happen. And oh. they train that faculty member or that teacher in what they need to be doing and how they need to do it. Um, this spring, we all made valiant attempts to try to help people move their courses over, but we were kind of under the gun to get it done. So there was a little less of that, but you're exactly right. And we use pivot all the time. Um, we talk to people about, even, even when you're at home, think about if, if your home was an online class, Normally, if you want, you know, someone's at the front door and you don't want to answer it, you yell out to whoever's in your house and say, hey, can somebody get that? Um, you can't do that in an online course because you don't have that instant connectability. So right. how do you convey, if you hear a bell ring, someone must go and answer the door. So how do you package that? Um, there's also the ideal of using language that everyone understands. So if you have students that have, um, you know, English as a second language in your courses, maybe you have a difference in uh, ages. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always sad to say this, but I was just writing uh, this morning about the fact that in the early 80s, we didn't call people entrepreneurs. We said they were enterprise educators. Mm. Uh, it was a very glossy title that really yeah, didn't mean a lot. Yeah, and so um, we used to talk about offering enterprise courses, and enterprise was really you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, you're wanting to start something, but we really hadn't jumped on the entrepreneurship yet. So if I start talking about enterprise courses and I keep going on, you may still be sitting there going, what does she mean by that? What is that term? Mm -hmm. So, you know, communication can be terminology, communication can mean how you deliver it, communication can be in how you actually um, create the tone. So obviously sitting here talking, you can hear by my tone and you can react accordingly. Um, if I send you an email and I type it all in caps, you probably think I'm very upset, I'm angry, um, or I'm you know, really pushy about whatever comment I'm making. And so you then react back to it. That, that's what we see in Facebook every day. Right. Somebody says, but that's not what I meant. Well you know, after 20 people have reacted to it, it's because we can't carry a tone often in how we deliver unless we think about how we communicate differently. And in technology allows us to connect to everyone all over the world, but we have to have a way to do it that is respectful and that actually gets our ideas across. Right. It's really quite fascinating. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift a little bit to the fact that not only have you been, um, an educator all these years, but you have been an entrepreneur and are an entrepreneur as well and a business owner. And I, I don't come across that very often where the, you know, the, the uh, Ivy uh, walls of the university people are also in the business. And I, and I think with what you teach, it makes sense, of course, but, but, um, but still I find it fascinating. And I see that you have, um, presented at the World Conference on Online Learning in Dublin, Ireland. You have also actually the, um, spoken at the Entrepreneurship and Leadership in COVID-19 Virtual Summit. That must have just happened recently. That was in uh, May, I believe. And was that for 
virtual summit. Was that um, just the U.S. or was that global as well? Um, that was, uh, it started as U.S. and it became global very quickly. Um, it was, it was very interesting. It was pulled together really just in a matter of weeks, but it was an opportunity to uh, assist small businesses, large businesses, uh, people that are, are working with remote teams, people that are, uh, you know, overseeing staff at a remote location to just help them kind of take a moment to stop and understand how things needed to work and where they could find uh, resources to make that shift at such a, a pivotal moment in, in what we were doing. So it was a great opportunity. Uh, we had a lot of interesting feedback and a lot of people join us for it because it really suddenly became a global issue and it really didn't matter what business you were in or what you were doing. We all had the same problem, which was suddenly being in a remote location, having a stay at home order and having to try to conduct whatever business or practice that we were doing in a totally different way. And I, I think, how do you feel about this? I think that it's changed the world forever. Oh, I would agree. I don't see that we're ever going to go back entirely to the way we were. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I talk with uh, startups about is we always had a segment of the population that had no interest in being online, whether it was age or, you know, skill set. Um, it just was not something that appealed to them. What happened very quickly was they suddenly had no choice. So they were forced into the matter to get groceries, to get supplies, to pay bills. And while some of them still dislike living that way, uh, a lot of them have suddenly realized it's not as bad as they thought it was. Um, they suddenly are realizing that there's an ease to their life and some of the things that they had to do before. Uh, for many that have compromised immune systems, this is, you know, going to be a long haul yet. And it still gave them an opportunity to connect, to interact with other people, um, really just has provided them with, with a, a well-rounded, as best as possible situation, given what occurred. And so we know now that we need to start to develop and to build new tools and, and new apps and technologies that are going to embrace even more people because there's going to be more that want these kinds of services. We're already seeing uh, a lot of changes to current apps. We're seeing businesses that are starting to do more things with it. Um, you know, one of the greatest success stories is Amazon taking on uh, the postal service to help with their shipping mm -hmm. and restaurants taking on Uber to deliver food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you'd have asked three years ago, no one would have done that. It just was not even on the radar. And suddenly we recognize that there's an ability to utilize the technology and connect everything together. Mm -hmm. And for the end user, you sitting at home, it's just a matter of you're in the mood for pizza and pizza shows up. Um, so it's, it's definitely a possibility that we're going to see a lot of new changes. I anticipate that the artificial intelligence world is going to grow rapidly in the next six months. Yes, I agree. Um, so far removed from my real world, but I, I totally see that happening. So I'm all about people and about relationships and building relationships and building that know, like, and trust with people to do business. Now, this whole thing has changed somewhat in terms of how we make that happen, right? Um, thank God for Zoom, I'd say, because mm -hmm. I still need to see 
the whites of someone's eyes. So <laughs> I'm a visual person. I need to connect sure. them visually. Yes, I can talk to them on the phone or heaven forbid, do it through email or text because for me, I don't feel it that way. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of intuitive. And so with the work that you do with the, um, the entrepreneurs, with the people, the small business owners that are um, creating these, this, these um, pieces of technology and so on for, for their businesses, how does that come into play? Does it, do you like, do you mm-hmm. think about that at all when, when you're helping people develop those things? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I always talk with them about is uh, where do the people fit in? Ah. So if you're building a new app, uh, where do they fit in in terms of using it, um, applying it? Because using and applying are two different things. Yes. Um, I, you know, I can get an app and I can use it, but not really like it. Um, I can use it and apply it and it becomes suddenly very valuable to me. Um, the, the example I always give is the app from the cable company. If your internet goes out, you can click on the app and it will tell you if there's an actual outage or if it's just your house. Uh, working from home, that's invaluable to me because I know whether I'm up against a four hour block or I just need to go, you know, reset and hope that it comes back up. Um, so that's not just a, a use now. It's, it's a need right. for me. And so I talk to them about you know, those two areas, but I also talk to them about what's the value. So what's going to be the value to the end user? What's going to make them look at this and go, this is it. I can't live without this. You know, this is the greatest widget since sliced bread. Um, Because value for all of us is exactly what you were talking about. It's the experience. We have to feel good about something. We have to feel like it makes my life easier. It makes my life better. Um, It makes me feel like I'm contributing. Uh, Facebook is one of the largest contribution areas in the world. And even though lots of it is cat videos and, you know, all the fun things that we like to see, the bottom line is, is that it makes people feel connected. It makes people feel that they have a tribe, whether they create their own tribe, they join a tribe, or they just, um, you know, kind of skim around and kind of bounce in and out of different groups. Um, maybe they meet a friend through a friend and suddenly they connect with them. It's all about that network of relationships. It's all about that feel. Um, LinkedIn is now changing a little more and people are starting to get more of that feel in LinkedIn. It used to be very professional and it was only for business use, but LinkedIn has recognized that in order for you and I to work together, it's exactly what you said. I want to be able to see you. I want to be able to talk to you. And I want to have more than, than just the curt business discussion. I want to get to know you. So we're seeing, you know, those things are invaluable. And so when I talk with startups and when I talk with people that are already actually working in startups and wondering why they're not gaining traction, that's one of the things we talk about is, is the value to people. Okay, so I still have this thing about Facebook that a lot of it, there are people who do it and do it well, Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of um, uh, superficiality about Facebook in my mind. Like not everybody's life is as perfect as it looks on Facebook. Come on. We only... (laughs) Then there's the other people who take it to the other extreme and, and, you know, it's the drama of it all. Right. Right. So I think that 
that's not quite for me as real or feeling as, as perhaps the way you described it. I don't know. But with LinkedIn, for example, um, I find it interesting and I'm pushing back a little bit too, in that some people come over from Facebook and um, they think that they can be as they are on Facebook mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. And you, you kind of can't. I mean, you right. can with the emojis and everything, but let's grow up a little bit and let's be a little more business-like. However, I still think that you've got a point there in that um, the way I teach anyway, when I teach LinkedIn, it's all about relationship building. And so LinkedIn did make a point of stopping the user from being able to send mass messages. So then there was the, the, then the, so now we're divided. Now there's people who use third party tools Mm -hmm. to send those mass messages. And then there's other people like me who say, that's fine because it's about the relationships anyway. So reach out and have actual conversations with people with the goal to take it offline and actually see them. So there are, I think two schools of thought in, in that regard. Well, I think there's not only two schools of thought. I think there's also uh, generations. That so, you know, Facebook started at a university yeah. in a dorm room and, you know, quickly now fast forward 20 years and the younger students and the younger people aren't really interested in Facebook. They no. feel like it's their grandparents. Right. A website. Um, I think where the connectivity comes is when somebody hosts a group. So mm-hmm. if you have a business that has a, a closed group so that there is a selection of, of, of who's in there, mm-hmm. that becomes a very important segment for some people. Um, you have some people who are maybe have grandchildren or family that all live far away. Right. That's their really own, only connection. Now that's starting to change as we're getting home devices where you can click and, you know, have FaceTime yeah. kind of conversations very quickly. But five years ago, you couldn't do that. So other than throwing pictures in the mail and waiting a week to get them, you know, Facebook uh, really helped with that. So um, I think there is, there's a place for it. And I think that's part of what is always unique is everyone has to find where their best fit and their best place is. Um, for LinkedIn, you know, for a long time, people would just, connect with you by sending you that little stationary invite. And if you said yes, that was it. I know. And you were on your list and you never heard from them yeah. again. Yeah. Um, it became like a collection. And I remember yes. early years where people would be like, I have 10,000 people. Right. I have 15,000 people. I'm like, you don't know any of them. You yeah. know, there's still people that do that. I got to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> there are. So, so, you know, it's, it's a matter of picking what, what fits best with you. But I think, I think the relationship of it is, is that we have choice now. Yes. You know, even three years ago, things were very regimented in how things worked. We now have choice. I can hop on a call with you on Zoom and let's just, you know, knock it out of the park and be done with it. I can hop on Facebook and talk with you individually in a group. Um, maybe I'll start a new group and say, hey, come join me. I can hop onto LinkedIn and say, you know, uh, love your podcast and, you know, would love to learn more about it. Let's have an actual, you know, uh, connection on this. So the networking portion now continues to grow. I think it's going to grow even more so now with the pandemic, because not only do we need professional space, but we really need personal space. We need a space to gather our families. And um, you've seen so many people using Zoom for happy hours. Yes. 
Um, I have a, a good friend who keeps having these Italian dinners. He has a huge Italian family in the Northeast. And so they all cook their own dinner, but they eat dinner together. It's like a three hour dream. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's, there's so many of them. There's little tiny boxes. Yeah. You can hardly see everybody. Um, but, you know, they always had dinner on Sunday nights and they're still going to do it. And this fits their need right now. Will there be another product that will be better than Zoom someday? Probably so, but for right now, it's fitting that. So I think there's an opportunity for everybody. Part of it is they have to step forward and identify their likes and their dislikes and really what they want the outcome of relationships to be. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Um, I noticed that you had just spoken at a couple of interesting conferences too, and I'm wondering, uh, so one was the Women Tech Global Conference, and I know these were probably virtual in the end. And the International Conference on E-Learning in the Workforce, presented by Columbia University. Now, in both cases, I don't know what you spoke about. Maybe you can share that with me. But what I wanted to ask you is, um, what do you see? I know in the future, like uh, we talked about AI being more artificial intelligence, being more into play. And I'm even hearing talks of that with um, the greeting card company that I'm involved in. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you know, we have an online platform that sends real cards and gifts in the mail. So when you log into your account, it's going to know what kind of cards you're used to sending and maybe present things, you know, and all of that stuff. So um, kind of interesting to me. But so um, the conferences, what do you see, what you spoke about and what do you see in the near future? Sure. Um, so both were great conferences scheduled to be, you know, face to face and yes. Uh, like everyone else had to suddenly pivot and redevelop um, both did a fantastic job uh, so you know what I talked about was uh, looking at um, you know learning in a remote environment and learning can be not just education we always think learning as oh well you're taking classes um, but think about suddenly if there's something you do at work that you've now been sent home and you have to do it from home there's a learning curve because your system isn't set up the same way. Um, some businesses move so quickly that people didn't even get equipment from work. You know, they're using their personal computer, dialing in, going through, you know, a security measure. Um, and so everything that you're so used to click here, do this, the printer is right there is suddenly gone. Yeah. My so, husband experienced that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, you know, and, and you're talking just hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. that are going through this simultaneously. So we talked about, you know, looking at, um, you know, being a woman in technology, women are very organized. Women are very detail oriented because we tend to take care of multiple areas at once. That has always been the role. Um, and not, it's not all women, but a good majority of women do uh, deal with that. So we talked about the fact of, you know, women are now home and they are struggling to run their family, school their children, make sure that they're getting everything in assignments and everything you know some of them are actually homeschooling because their school maybe isn't offering a lot um suddenly having everybody in the house yeah two to five people on zoom simultaneously uh three meals a day you know laundry to be done uh pets to be handled and then oh by the way they have a full-time job that they're actually supposed to be doing and be really you know intent on so um you know, we talked about what are the factors of what you need to do. Um, you know, some people can isolate. They have an office. They can close the door. Other people don't have a home office. Suddenly, they were working at a, you know, folding table in their bedroom. Right. 
Um, so we talked about, okay, what are the things that you do? How do you restructure your day? So maybe you take calls in certain bulks of hours and you're in a place where you can do that. Um, I know someone who you know, put in the chat box, she said, I sit in my car in the garage. <laughs> she said, but it's peaceful. Yeah. She said, it's comfortable. I can lay everything out. No one's running in and out to bother me. You know, she said, so every day I go out and for two hours, I'm in my garage my little home office. I love it. Um, so, you know, we talked through what are those kinds of things. Um, the second presentation that I did was on remote teams and talking about how to make those relationships, exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Littlefield, just wrote a book on 75 plus activities for remote teams. And it's uh, unbeknownst to him, he published on Amazon for a downloadable book. Uh, it came out March 1st. We all sequestered he's, around he's March 16th. Right. Yes. Yeah, I recognize that name. And so he, he gives really great little 10-minute activities to just start the group, work them through things. Um, so two of the activities I had the group do was, one is you post a question a week. And you can take turns who's responsible for the question. So, you know, the question might be, what was everyone's favorite food as a kid? Um, that tells you a lot about people because we never just say it was a hot dog. We say, well, it was a hot dog because every summer when I stayed at my grandparents, you know, and the story yes. goes on. Yes. And so you suddenly learn about, oh, you spent every summer, you know, in the city or on a farm. And all of a sudden there's another piece of that person you didn't recognize. Um, others were, uh, my favorite activity is you give them a list of things and he has a list in there. You can always add to it, but you ask them to rank from one to 10 and not to really put a lot of thought into it, just to rank. So it's how, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how do you feel today? Um, how is your day going? You know, do you have a lot of concerns? Um, you know, do you feel like you have good work-life balance today? And it's just about today. And it's, you know, it's just about what's going on. And what it does is, one, you can kind of ask group-wise, okay, how many had, you know, a number under five? Yeah. And suddenly you realize, okay, hey, I'm not the only one struggling with being at home alone. You know, you're feeling the same way. And we suddenly have a bond yeah. that when we get off this call, we may go and talk, even on email, but just say, oh, I'm so glad you answered, yeah, you know. Clever. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But the second thing of that was, if you saw anybody that had under three, and you don't call them out individually, right? you don't want to make them feel bad. Um, but if you say, you know, anybody have five or less, and you kind of get a feel for the group, that tells you as a manager, I should reach out to them individually and just say, how are you doing? What can I do? You know, is there anything you need from me? Um, and just make them feel a little better about the situation. And so um, it really gives you just an opportunity to, to nurture your team, to create those relationships, and then just to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, and I think that's really, really, uh, to me, that's really interesting and also valuable information because um, if you're in the same office, and even though you have your own offices or cubicles or whatever, that manager is walking around or at least available, but out of sight, out of mind. And so you're at home, everybody's at home. You don't think the same way. You don't see the same thing. So I like that. I think that's, that's really, really. And just for today, how are you feeling yeah. today? I like that. Well, and I think about the fact that, you know, for myself, um, I don't have any children. I have two cats who are, you know, fairly 
fairly dormant at this point in life. Um, my husband is working from home, so we had to, you know, arrange an office from him, but I have a home office because this is where I work. Uh, so the transition hasn't really been too difficult for us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now you take that and add in two to four kids, you add in small babies, you add in dogs that need to be walked, um, you add in uh, maybe an apartment or a small condo situation, and suddenly it changes. Absolutely. Suddenly there's a lot more stressors. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you forget because I'm sitting here thinking, well, you're on my team and you're fine, you know, because things are going well on my end. And then I talk to you and you're like, oh yeah, it's not fine on this end. You know, it's crazy. I'm losing my mind. Um, it, it's that acknowledgement and that check-in that is so valuable. And that relationship and that um, network that you're building there is going to carry on even if you do all go back to the office. Yes, but that's this, you know, this is your water cooler moment. This is yeah. your time to stand around and chat. And if we do keep working remotely, or as many are doing, which is a, you know, hybrid combination of two days in, three days out kind of thing, um, this still allows for a greater depth of connectivity, regardless of who went to the office today and who's working from home today. Mm -hmm. So it just, it, it was a, it was a great opportunity to give that presentation. I had already planned on working on uh, remote teams. And then when his book came out, it just really, the timing seemed perfect. The stars aligned on it. Yeah. And uh, there are the, no accidents, right? Right, exactly. And the conference was fantastic. Lots of good information and a lot of focus on being virtual, being remote, um, you know, how to make great strides in your business when there's this disruptor. And so uh, both conferences ended up really being phenomenal. And in some respects, people, I think, enjoyed it more because they were able to attend more things. Mm -hmm. They were able to double up on, on what they set in on. And so uh, both are talking about next year, maybe doing a combination. Interesting. So yeah. we'll see. Um, certainly when they're done properly, it makes it, uh, the thing I find really difficult with the virtual conferences is I can't sit still for too long. I have sure. to take a break and you know, whatever. And I'm a bit of a squirrel sometimes, but anyway, <laughs> this has been delightful. And, um, I'm, I'd like to ask you before we wrap up, first of all, I'm guessing the answer, but I should never assume, um, are you a reader or a podcast listener or a video watcher or all three? All three. All three. All three. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. it's for me, uh, my brain does not shut off. No, um, unfortunately, I uh, it, it, it's a constant. And yeah. so I am always looking for new things to read and new things to listen to. Um, you know, I look at four papers every morning online. Um, I do still enjoy holding a book. So there are times when I do like yeah. to have a, a real book. Um, but I do spend a lot of time on my Kindle, you know, app as well. Um, my iPad is, you know, my best friend. So, and I love seeing new videos. Um, what I'm really enjoying are the live videos. I, I'm really enjoying that people are, you know, putting information out in kind of a new, fresh way. Um, podcasting, I think, um, is really filling a void for people right now. Mm -hmm. They're they're getting to feel that that human-esque conversation. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, one-dimensional talking to them. So just as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you to maybe leave my audience with one special last thing that you'd like to share. And my audience is mainly entrepreneurs and a lot of people working from home right now, uh, <laughs> small business owners, entrepreneurs, network marketers. What would you say to them and, uh, you know, for moving forward? 
one, they have to take care of themselves. You're only in any situation, you're only a good entrepreneur when you are healthy, when you are focused, when you are rested, um, and you feel like you can just really take on the world. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, be flexible. Look at how you can change what you do, even if it's just the smallest little thing. What can you do differently? How can you use flexibility to really be part of what the world is doing right now uh, and where we're going? Because we, none of us know. Right. Um, and the last thing I'll leave you is, is my favorite quote, um, because I think it's, it's really important for entrepreneurs. And it's, it says, leave your front door and your back door open. Allow your thoughts to come and go. Just don't serve them tea. Oh, I love and it. This is from a Zen monk, uh, Shinrinyu Suzuki. And that has always been one that I have hung on to for many, many years because it is important. As an entrepreneur, you've got to keep those fresh ideas, that creativity going, but don't get stuck on something for too long or you just lose it. So Will you please send me that quote? I would love Absolutely. that. Um, I like that a lot. Yes. It, it sits on my computer. I love it. Every day I read that. <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite quote is uh, Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you've done, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Exactly. Yeah. We're back to relationships. And I know. I know. In the end, you know, that's, that's the whole focus of my business is yes. how do we make everything connect, but people are always at the center of it. Love it. Thank you so much, Cher. This has been delightful. And uh, I will uh, certainly let you know when it, when it airs. It won't be that long. And thank you to everybody for um, staying with us. Where can people find you, Cher? Let me know and I'll put it in the show notes as well. I think it's probably at your EdTech Consulting, right? Yes. Our, our website is www.downingedtech.com. Right. Okay. And uh, be sure to leave a review and a rating and let us know that you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you again so much. Thank you. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes and remember to stay connected and be remembered.